Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Joseph Prince. Joseph is a leading voice in teaching the gospel of grace around the world. Through his television program, teaching resources, and best-selling books, he's impacting millions around the world with God's love, grace, and favor. You can watch Joseph Prince Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 3.30 p.m. Mountain Time on Miracle Channel. And now, Joseph Prince will show through the Word how true leadership involves having a heart for God, not personal gain. He will get back to the foundational truths of godly leadership. Let's dive into the message. Let's all read this together. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the call according to His purpose. And we know, say we know. The Greek word here is idol. It is not a knowing by learning. It is not a, a theoretical um, uh, mental comprehension. It is a revelation. Idol is, you see it in the inside. You perceive it. We know. You know, we, many of us know this verse mentally. All right, we have memorized this verse. We know that all things work together. But do you know that all things work together for good? Even bad things. Now, that's different from saying that God initiated that bad thing in your life. God does not, God is a good God. But God will work everything the devil throws at you for your good. Even if you are caught in a situation whereby, you know, you, you didn't plan for it, but it happened, and you are there, it's going to turn around for your good. Amen? Are you listening? How many things will work together? God didn't say those things are good. Some things are really bad. But God says, it will work for good. And the word here is God, all things. Number one, how many things? What, do, what happened to them? They all work together for good. Because you are someone who loves God. Now, by the way, the loving God and the ones called according to His purpose is the same thing. Is it referring to believers? It's not a promise for the people of the world. It's not a promise for those who are not God's children. Amen. It's a promise for those who are called according to His purpose, which means all of us are called according to His purpose. Amen. We can arrive in a good shape or we can arrive struggling, but we'll still arrive. And everything is happening based on the next verse. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, everything that's happening, the greatest prosperity is this. You say, well, all, everything is happening to make me richer. You missed the point. Everything is happening to make me more popular. You missed the point. Everything is happening to make you more like Jesus. Amen. Now, one thing to establish in your heart is this. When something bad happens in your life, you must always know this. When something bad happens in your life, God is on your side. We do not know. Don't ask why. Sometimes you ask the Lord. It's okay. Nothing wrong. We are in a relationship with God. We can ask God why. But don't ask God why as if He is the problem. He gave you that problem. No, whatever the problem is, God is on your side. Are you listening, people? I said God is on your side. The worst thing that can happen is this religious thinking. 
Now, what did I do? I got a car puncture today. I mean, my car tire puncture today. And, and what did I do? Amen. My child is sick. What did I do? I wonder what I did. And this is legalism. All your sins have been put away by the blood of Jesus. And that's what the cross is all about. That's the love of God. Amen? So it was God. It's not as if God, God is still stern. And today people still see God. No, He's your Father. He's your justifier. Give them a Romans 8.33. All right? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who justifies? God. So don't have this, just this idea, Jesus, you know, justifies me, but God is a stern God. Or have this impression in your mind. No. God is your justifier. God is on your side. God is for you. Amen? Amen? So when you come to God, remember you're coming to the one who justifies you. I want to share with you real quick about two kinds of leadership. Okay? You already know that I'm going to kidnap you, right? In this service and teach on leadership. Because all of you that turn up for Encounter Night are leaders. Leaders are hungry people. They want to know, they, they, they want to feed on the word of life. They want to receive more revelation because they, are, they have seen the light. Amen? Leaders are readers also. They are learners. And that's why you are here tonight. Those who are, you know, who have no heart for the things of God, they're not leaders. And it's okay. Not everyone is called to be a leader. But I believe that many who turn up for Encounter Night are leaders. And God is raising leaders. Amen? So instead of calling for a leaders meeting, I'm going to turn this into a leaders meeting. All right. Saul and David. Saul and David. The first king of Israel is Saul. His head and shoulders above everybody else. He's the one that started the shampoo. And then the next one is God's choice. Now, you remember that Saul wasn't God's choice. It was the people's choice. God says, I'll be your king. They say, we don't want, to, we don't want you to be our king. In essence, they said they that, all right, by, by their words. They're saying, we want to be like the other nations that have kings, kings that they can touch, palpable. We can see the king. And God says to Samuel, give them what they want. And then they chose Saul, okay? David was God's choice. So there's a right time that God will rule the, king, the, 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 the nation through his appointed king. And that was David, okay? When Saul was anointed by the same prophet Samuel who anointed David, all right? Of course, he anointed Saul first, the first king of Israel. When he anointed Saul, he anointed Saul with a vial of oil. Say vial, okay? Show them up there. He took a vial of oil. Now, vial is not a horn. Usually, when you anoint, it'll be a horn, the ram's horn, okay, to anoint with the oil. Now, watch this. In the book of Revelation, it says, vials of the wrath of God. Do you see that? Vile is a picture of judgment. It's a picture of wrath. However, David, in 1 Samuel 16, verse 1, David was anointed by the same prophet Samuel. But notice this time, the Bible says, fill your horn with oil. Because Samuel was reading over King Saul, all right? Saul had sinned against God, and, and he was grieving over him. He had a heart for Saul, and God said, stop grieving. How long will you grieve for him? Go fill your horn, horn with oil. And, and you know where you get a horn from? From a male ram being sacrificed. Amen? You trumpet. You know how you trumpet? They use the ram's horn to trumpet. You proclaim the Lord's death. That's the preaching of grace. Amen. David was anointed with the horn of oil. Are you listening, people? So 
when they anoint, usually they anoint your head. Turn to your neighbor's mind and say, your head. Okay, it will come down to your body, but it's always your head. That means your mentality. So Saul has a vile mentality, V-I-A-L, as well as V-I-L-E, but, but vile mentality means what? He has a mentality of judgment, of wrath. God is angry, God is angry, God is angry, God is angry. Everything God is angry. You know, don't do this because God will be angry. Don't, God is angry, God is angry. It's always the wrath of God, always the wrath of God, always the wrath of God. It's a mentality of judgment. It's a leadership that is, the preaching and all that is based on the wrath of God. It might not, he might not come out clearly and say it's the wrath of God, but the impression left behind is God is angry. Are you listening? David was anointed with the horn of oil. He has a grace mentality. It's based on the horn, the death of the ram, the cross of Jesus mentality. It's a grace mentality. When we are first introduced to Saul, Saul was chasing donkey. So when we are first introduced to him, the father says, Saul's father says, go look for the lost donkeys. All right? The Bible says the flesh, the man in the natural is like a wild donkey. A man who's not born again, a man who's not, a man in the flesh is like a wild donkey. It says that in the Bible. So he was busy chasing the flesh. He was busy chasing what is fleshly. Amen. Are you listening? The father says, go find the lost donkeys. When David was introduced to King Saul the first time, it was in the context of Goliath has been, has been, has been challenging the people of Israel. Remember that? And David was sent by the father to the valley of Elah because his brothers were there in the army. So the father says, bring cheese, bring bread. He brought a uh, 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 fried, um, uh, you know, uh, raisins, uh, what do you call it, bread. And he brought, his hands were full. Jesus came, sent by the father with his hands full. Unstopping deaf ears, cleansing the leper, raising the dead. His hands were full, full of the bread of life. So he came and the, one of the brothers saw him and the brother says, let's follow the story. Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the man, Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why do you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. You have come down to see the battle. Eliab exposed himself by calling the sheep that David took care of as the few sheep. Do you see that? So when, when even you pastors, leaders, doesn't really matter. You don't have thousands. You have a few people. They are the father's flock. They are the father's sheep. Or do you see them as those few sheep? Why have you left those few sheep? David never used this language. In fact, the same chapter when David was interviewed by King Saul and King Saul asked about him, this is what David said. Your servant, David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Now, all of you here in New Creation, you are the fa my father's sheep. Amen. Amen. You are the father's sheep. Amen. The third thing we see in Saul is that Saul, and you know something, I'm a bit concerned because when I see the teaching of leadership in the church today, it is the opposite of what I think God, 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 is, God is wanting us to see His plan, His blueprint for leadership. God's blueprint for leadership is never see who is good and, and pick them. Paul said to Timothy, the things you heard me teach, commit to faithful men, not 
talented men, faithful men, not, not able men, not gifted men, but faithful men. Commit to faithful men who will be able to teach. The teaching comes after the faithfulness. Commit to faithful men who shall be future tense, able to teach others. That's how leadership grows. You look out for faithful people. Even though they don't have the gift, the more you trust them, the more you trust them, God can impart the gift. But the church today looks for talent. They look for gifting. Let's see what Saul did. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 14, now there was fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul. All the days of Saul. Now this is a statement, it's an overview of the life of Saul. All his days, the Philistines were coming against Israel. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took him for himself. You see that? He was out looking for brave people. He was out looking for valiant men. He was out looking for talents. And he sees he recruits that person. Do you see that? David, on the other hand, do you remember David? The Bible says this is how David recruited people. 1 Samuel 22, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. I have been there, by the way. All right, my life in Israel series, one of the teachings is inside the cave. You will see me preaching from inside the cave of Adullam. Amen. And so when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to David. He became the rallying point. He became the standard bearer in that cave. Our Lord Jesus, we all come to Him, the greatest son of David. Amen. We rally. He's our standard bearer. We rally around Him. So He became captain over them. Do you see that? He became their rallying point, the standard bearer. What happened to them? What happened to, to, to this man? They became mighty men. You all know the story, right? Second uh, Samuel 23, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had. At the end of David's life, there's a list of the mighty men. They began as a 3D army, in debt, distressed, and discontented. But here they are, Joseph Bashabab. Sorry, Joseph came out. Josheb, chief among the captains. He was called Adino because he had killed 800 men at one time, yo. Drop down. And after him was Eliaza, the son of Dodo. I don't care whose son you are. I'm telling you, you can become a mighty man. Amen. Amen. The Ahohite, uh, Aho people. One of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, men of Israel retreated. When they all had retreated, he arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. Like the guitar, you know, you play for so long, it's stuck. It's like he was wielding the sword all the time, killing, and his hand was stuck to the sword. He and the sword became one. May you and the Word of God become one. Amen. Amen. We learn to wield the sword of the Spirit. The Lord brought out a, a great victory that day, and the people returned as usual, only to plunder. There are people who work hard, there are people who fight, and others plunder. They just enjoy the fruit of the labor. Okay, drop down. Beniah. This man had done many mighty deeds. He's a, a son of a valiant man. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. Number one, it's hard to kill a lion flat ground. Number two, in a pit, you cannot run away. Number three, to make things harder, snowy day. Lion, wait, huh? I'm coming, I'm coming. <laughs> hey, Amen. But the Lord did it. Mighty men. They were, I do not know who is in debt, who is in distress, but they were all people with weakness. 
Be careful who you follow. People with a heart for the sheep or a heart for themselves. The final thing is this. I want to show you this. Just now, we saw Saul choosing valiant men, right? What happened to the valiant men? Anyone valiant, brave, he chose them to be part of his army, right? Look at this. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal. And all, say all, all the people followed him trembling. Look up here. In the presence of Saul, strong men become weak. In the presence of David, weak men become strong and mighty. I have a teaching in my series called Grace for Leadership, where I talk about the mighty man having a heart for the great king. It's our Lord Jesus, the greatest son of David. They have a heart for the king. And I talk about how many, how many there are who fight for the kingdom. There are those who do things for the kingdom. And there are those who do things for the king. There are those who fight and get territories. And there are those who didn't fight, but they hear that the king wants water. They break through the enemy's ranks and got water at a great risk to their own lives just to present him something that is not even a command. It's just a desire of the king. It's all in my teaching. And let's go, off, go back now to where we started. Romans 8. Are you all learning so far, people? Amen. So here we go. Romans 8. It says, What then shall we say to these things? Once you know that, number one, have the right teachings, because it's hard for you to say what we are about to say right here. What shall we say to all the things that are against us? In fact, three, three verses earlier, it talks about, we know that all things work together for good just now, right? There was three verses earlier. Now, what shall we say to these things, bad things that's happening, right, that's working for our good? This is what we say. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, I'm going to say something right now that's going to really bless you because I think probably I said it once before, but I really want you to get this. Many of us, we quote this, God is for us, who can be against us, right? Who can be against us? I look up the word who, because in my spirit, I felt the Lord telling me, it's not just who. It is what. Whatever comes your way, it cannot be against you. It cannot work against you if God is for you. So I look up the word tis. The tis is the Greek word for who or what. When you find the word who or what is the Greek word tis. Okay? Guess what? Guess what? For what? What is translated from this 260 times? Who is translated from this 102 times? That's all. In other words, what is used more often in the translation of this? I believe instead of just who, of course, it includes who as well. It's actually what can be against you. What can be against you? Disease, financial shortage, your critics, what can be against you? If God is for you, what can be against you? But if I start from this premise, 
and you've been receiving from the solish or the ministry of Saul kind of teaching, and you have, yes, God is gracious, right? But it's all dependent on how we behave. Yeah, God is gracious, but you know, but whereas the mentality of, of the leadership of grace is always, if you're listening to grace, it gives you a foundation to believe God is for me. When bad things happen, yeah, you, you want to know, yep, you know, is there something I can, I can learn from this? You, of course. But you never have the mentality, God is behind this problem because He's judging me for something that I did. Now, you might not say it, but that's a feeling you get. Somewhere along the way, you have imbibed a ministry of Saul teaching. There's, he's pouring out vials of oil that dispense judgment instead of the horn of oil. Are you listening, people? If I come to this verse straight, without the foundation of grace, you're thinking, but uh, you know, uh, what, what if God is punishing us? God never punishes you anymore. He disciplines, yes. But even then, He disciplines only for your good. That you may have life. And He doesn't discipline what? Accidents and disease. Because if we submit, we will live, not die. Some people say, well, the, the, the man died in the accident. I wonder what God is teaching him. He didn't learn. I mean, he woke up in heaven, but he didn't learn. That's not a discipline, people. Come on. God doesn't do things like that. Are you listening? So, you must have this strong confidence, this established faith, settled faith, that God is, present tense, for, not against, me. God is for me. And if God is for me, what can be against me? What can be successfully against me when God is for me? Okay, praise God. You all learned something? Give Him praise. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more great messages from inspiring teachers like Joseph Prince. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. So subscribe, rate, review, and share. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.